Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Today I'm going to preach a message called Shadows, Seeds, and Dust. My inspiration was the movie Gladiator, obviously. <laughs> For we mortals are but shadows and dust. I'm totally joking. People are like, man, I cannot believe we're going to have a whole message about Gladiator. Nope, but I do like the movie because I'm a man. <laughs> men will be men. And on the movie note, I would just like to say, what is wrong with the world when I pulled what is the best Christmas movie and Die Hard one? <laughs> I didn't know that that was like legally classified a Christmas movie. Everybody's like, oh yeah, it is. (laughs) So anyways, now we know why we're in the state that we're in. (laughs) That's just my, the title of my message this morning is Jesus is the reason for the season. (laughs) Look at your neighbor, say it's not about violence. It's about the Lord. Anyways, okay, I'm going to try and I'm going audible all the way here. I'm going to read this scripture to you uh, from the Passion Translation. If you don't have the Passion Translation, you can pull it up on your Bible app or you can buy the Passion Translation Bible from us. Don't worry, we marked it up 200% to ensure that you give a great (laughs) gift to the church as well. Loosen up a little bit, people. We did not mark it up 200%. It was only like 85%. Oh, quick announcement concerning the bookstore. We are releasing a couple new products, actually. And on regard to my book, my book will be in December 2nd. So next Sunday, we will be able to disperse another man's armor book. So incredibly excited about that. And we are going to be releasing our Holy Spirit t-shirt that sold out a couple years back. We're bringing it back full on. And we've got a brand new t-shirt, the Reborn to Win t-shirt that we will be releasing. Because that's what you were reborn to do. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 8. One of my favorite parables that Jesus spoke uh, because he actually took the time to explain it because his disciples asked a question. I encourage you out there that it is always important that you read the word and then ask the Lord for help concerning the word because God has an answer for everything that he has done. Amen? Do you believe that? Yes. That's what revelation is. It's you, you grab the word of God and then the spirit of God illuminates to you the truth that is found in there and it changes your life. So massive crowds gathered from many towns to hear Jesus and he taught them using metaphors and parables such as this. A farmer went out to sow seeds for a harvest. As he scattered his seed, some of it fell on the hard pathway and it was quickly trampled down and unable to grow and became nothing but bird seed. Some fell on the gravel, and though it sprouted, it couldn't take root. It withered for lack of moisture. Other seed fell where there was nothing but weeds. It too was unable to grow to full maturity, for it was choked out by the weeds. Yet some of the seed fell into good fertile soil, and it grew and flourished until it produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. Jesus added, shouting out to all who would hear, "'Listen with your heart, and you will understand.'" Later, his disciples came to Jesus and asked him privately what deeper meaning was found in this parable. He said, you've been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. But to those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. Here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of men. Who hear the word of God, but the slanderer quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. The seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon after, when a season of harassment of the enemy and difficulty come to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth and their faith is temporary. The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth 
is quickly choked out by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. The seed that fell into good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. Amen. How many people are thankful that you know Jesus? Okay, come on. Now, let me tell you something. Historically, and Eddie James was such a blessing to have him last week. We were sitting in the back room after the night service, and he said something that I I really thought was, was awesome when he said, he said, in the midst of everything going on this year, the pandemic, upheavals, economic decline, total just craziness happening in the nation right now, and the nations, the world. He said that the Holy Spirit whispered to him and said, what will history go down to show that the church did in this hour? And he said that just replayed over and over in his spirit, and he knew that he had to be bold. And he said, one thing for sure, I want it to go that Eddie James did everything he could to make an impact, to be bold as a lion, to speak the truth, and stand for righteousness in this hour. Amen? How many people are thankful for that? We're living in a day and age where talking about the truth is not popular. It's called politically incorrect. Incorrect. Well, get over yourself. Politics have nothing to do with it. Amen? Sometimes you just got to declare the truth of what's happening in the nation and stand for righteousness. Will you always be popular? No, you will not be popular, but let's face it, you're probably not popular right now. (laughs) So I felt like just rolling with this today, and I felt to give a quick testimony. You know, life is a gift from God. And one thing that Scripture kind of shows us is that no matter where you began... You might have been born wealthy. You might have been born as a fifth-generation Christian in ministry. Might have been born totally heathen in the woods of Alabama. I don't, I don't know why that's funny. So this whole crowd thinks it's funny to be born in Alabama. Like, praise God, that ain't me. If you were born in Alabama, your life matters. Let me just tell you. Don't listen to these people. You are important. Roll Tide, baby. Even if your football team is confused, it has an elephant, it has a wave, you're like, bro, I don't know what we are right now. But Roll Tide. Because you keep winning. Let's have a moment of silence for the Tennessee Vols. For the 20 years of... Terrible football that we've experienced. Okay, moving on. The incredible thing is, is that in the midst of no matter where you begin and anything in your story, ultimately the Lord still holds you accountable to this, that he still looks at you to make a decision to follow his ways and to chase down the things of God in your life. Whether you knew it being born or you didn't find it till you were 60 years old, God still deals with everybody individually. Amen. So how many people realize this important truth? Where you sit right now is basically the sum total of all of your previous days combined. So anything in your life that you're like, man, the Lord has not blessed me in this or this is not going my way, will stop and reflect your life and decide to start making changes right now. We were factoring last night that if you had spent, if you had invested $1,000, $1,000 in Bitcoin in 2010, 10 years ago, 2009. No, 2010. It was still 2010. No, no, no. Babe, hey, don't argue with me. I pulled up the list. I pulled up the list. It said 2010. 29. It's her birthday. 2009. Thank you, babe, for holding me accountable. It back it up another year because that matters. If you had invested $1,000 11 years ago in the year of 2009, $1,000 in Bitcoin, you would be worth $4.3 billion today. $4.3 billion. Eat your heart out, George Lucas. You had to come up with Star Wars. I just took $1,000 and bought some crazy little computer-generated wealth. Now, when you hear that, you think, 
God, I knew you back then. I would go to my prayer closet and I would pray, Lord, direct my steps. (laughs) Father, I thank you for increase. And I did not get a single vision from the Lord to buy Bitcoin. Why? (laughs) Now, I'm only saying that to humorously show you. If you could live your life in reverse, you would have the greatest story of all. But you don't get that opportunity. You have to choose every single day to keep your eyes on the Lord and keep moving forward no matter what you missed out on the past. Today is still a brand new day. So decide that today is going to count for something good in your life. Today is going to matter. Today what you do will produce great results in your life because you will keep your eyes on the only one that matters and his name is Jesus. And if you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. What seeds are planted on the inside of you? Serving God is a totally fluid, wild life. It's where you catch the wind of the Spirit and you do things that everybody around you says are stupid and they produce great results. You know, ultimately, as as believers and as Americans, if you're American, America stands as an individualistic society where we believe in individual dreams and we believe in, we we promote it, that everybody matters and and you're special and you're amazing and you're going to do great things and everybody has opportunity. But if you watch society, we actually all move together like a herd mentality. Believers and non-believers together lean together as generations pass that if a generation starts leaning towards wickedness, the church starts excusing it more and more. And you say, well, but, but why is it? It's because as much as we think we're unique, we're actually being programmed by the seeds that are being placed on the inside of us on a daily basis. And so you put the wrong seed in you, you're going to produce the wrong type of fruit. And so that's where as believers, you've got to realize that the Bible doesn't say come out from among them just as a suggestion. It says it like you've got to wake up and realize the world wants to lead you this way, but I, the Lord, want to lead you that way. And it may not look like the right way. It may look like the impossible way. It may look like the dumbest possible route, like like, uh, Moses leading them out of Egypt into the promised land, straight to a big old river or sea and a big old army coming. And this is like not the best moment of your life. But God did a miracle. Sometimes God leads you to a place where a miracle is the only way out so that he gets the glory and you keep your eyes on him and you realize you can't stand and say, I got here from my own strength. You get there by the power of God working on the inside of you. What seeds are on the inside of you? What has been watered? Are you one of those people that it's like you've got some dreams by God, but you got a lot of other things choking out that dream from the Lord? When I got saved, I was 19 years old. I was living in Tennessee. The Lord called me out from where I was living and working, and it cost me something. And I want to highlight this today. Following God will sometimes cost you things that you don't want to give up, but it's not bad. It's good. You just don't see it at that time. At that time, it seems expensive. At that time, it seems unwise. At that time, if you got counsel from 10 people, they would probably tell you that's not the Lord. Because everybody's contemplation about the Lord is if it's good, it must be God. But they think instant good. If it's instantly good, it must be God. What about the Lord taking you on a journey to mature you so that you can handle what God has in store for your life? What about the fact that Proverbs says an inheritance gained too early in a life is not a good thing? Because you can get it all given to you, but if you don't know the price behind it, you're going to squander it. That's the moral of the parable of the lost son. Man, I got all the blessing of God, but I don't know the one that blessed me with it. So the blessing means nothing if you don't know the blesser. And God wants to do something impactful for the church. But a church that is so weak that she just goes with every ebb and flow of instant gratification and doesn't know how to stand through trials and tribulation and look at impossible situations and say, you will give way in the name of Jesus because that is who I serve. Am I making any sense right now? Are you tracking along with me? So I start serving the Lord. The Lord calls me out from where I'm working. It costs me money cost me promotion. Now I walk away from a high paying job to a $10 an hour job where I'm crawling under houses 
and just putting in plumbing lines and nasty stuff. And you say, that's the blessing of God? Yeah, it was. Because what I didn't know is that in order for me to stand where I'm standing today and in order for me to begin to even keep journeying with the Lord of where he's going to take me in the years to come, I had to go under that house. I had to walk away from my security and I had to get in an uncomfortable situation because an uncomfortable situation leads to fruit being produced in your life. Years ago, my dad planted a pear tree. We all went out there. We sang songs over it. We really did. I don't know why. Now that I think about it, as a kid, you just go with those things. I don't know if there was a movie or something. So we dig this pear tree in, put this little sap in. My sister ran over it a few times because it was such a little tree. It took forever to grow. I was a teenager before it was really even a tree. Here's this tree we planted forever ago, and it just never produced pears. I'm talking one year it had, you know, like tiny dilapidated pears, you know, Actual fact, grew up thinking pears are the nastiest fruit ever because the only pears I ever knew were coming from that tree and there was like two, three of them and they looked all wormy and rotten. You know, it's like not like, oh, let's go have a pear. It's like if you're starving and this is the only opportunity in life to sustain one more day, you might eat that thing. Otherwise, that's not fruit. And so my dad's sitting out there like, this is the stupidest tree. I don't know why it doesn't bear forth fruit. And then one year... We have like a tornado come through and it rips off half the tree. The tree branches get ripped off. Trees just, I mean, looks like a beaten down, ugly, uglier than it was before. <laughs> the next year, we had so much pear produced on that tree that it grew to this huge pear tree and the branches were literally sagging with the weight of the fruit. And those pears were like big old juicy pears. I'm talking, you could go out there and eat until you threw up and then keep eating and you would not exhaust the pears on that tree because I didn't know this, and you might not know this, but for a fruit tree to bear forth sweeter fruit and more fruit, it has to be damaged. That's what pruning is. It's where you intentionally clip things and cause damage to the tree in order for it to produce greater fruit and sweeter fruit. Come on, somebody. Some things you've gone through in life that you've adopted a bad mindset you should thank the Lord for because at least you went through it. And today you still know Jesus. Your eyes are still on him. And God placed something on the inside of you that deepened what you carry. Hallelujah. And we go through stuff. And it costs you something. I start serving the Lord. I go to Bible college. Well, I'm in Bible college, and I go home in the summertime to work at my church. I love the church. I love my pastors. I love everybody there, and I'm working at a cabinet shop with Charlie Champ, my friend, the prophet. We used to crack up all the time. We, we, <laughs> we're always up to something, but we worked at this cabinet shop, and the, the boss looks at us and says, man, I want to make you a partner in the business. So he offered me 50% ownership shares in this business. All I got to do is stay in Nashville, not go back and finish Bible college. Just keep my eyes on it. And I've always been raised entrepreneurial, do work, hard work, the blessing of God. This seems like the blessing and there's a business here. My church comes to me and says, we want you to be an intern here. And all of these things, all these open doors that would seemingly be the Lord. Because it's instant gratification. And my heart is just troubled. And at nighttime, I'm stressed out and I don't have any peace. And I'm, I'm sitting there wondering what, what is going on. And then the Spirit of God, the still small voice, spoke to me. And he said, Caleb, I told you to go to Bible school. And I didn't tell you to quit halfway. And when I heard that by the Spirit of God, I knew. It doesn't matter how great an opportunity comes. If it is taking you out of the will of God, it is not a God opportunity. The will of God on your life is the thing to be sought after. And everything the world tells you to chase after is empty. It's but shadows and dust. You'll grab it and it means nothing. You can get it, acquire it, and it still means nothing to you. Because the only thing that fills the void on the inside of you is the presence of the Lord. And that presence is found through obedience to keep following, even when your mind doesn't understand. So now I'm, I'm sitting at this place an opportunity for promotion in life, an opportunity for all these great things, and I'll walk away from it. And when I walk away from it, I wish I could tell you that the moment I turned away from a blessing in my life, God met me with a greater blessing. But that's the opposite of what I met. I went from a great blessing to the most traumatic season of my life, where everything that could go wrong went wrong, where it seemed like everything I did was cursed. 
And you're sitting there talking about a blessing, and you're like, where is the blessing? Like, I don't see a blessing right now. I, I tore the ligaments in my knee. I didn't have health insurance. I can't go to the doctor. I'm hobbling around at 22 years old in Bible college. I'm getting evicted from my apartment because I can't pay my bills. My truck is being repoed. My cell phone's being turned off. And I hadn't eaten in two weeks because I didn't have any money. Praise God, Brother Caleb. <laughs> I just want you to hear that, to realize. Previous to this, one year before this, I gave all my money in an offering, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Caleb, because of your faithfulness to yeah. give, you will never lack another day in your life. Right. And I was like, yes, Lord. I walk away from this promotion. I'm in Bible college. Now I'm broke, starving. I'm a feel like a total loser. And now I go to the Lord, and I'm like, God, I just, I'm not trying to develop a bad attitude. <laughs> you know how when you're about to have that conversation with the Lord and you're trying to be like really smooth about it? Like he doesn't know. Like butter his biscuit before you come in with a complaint. God, you are so beautiful and you're so kind and you're so awesome and your wisdom is infinitely beyond mine. And yeah. But if I could just get clarification. I, I have a phone, God, and on the phone there's Webster's Dictionary. And Webster says that lack is basically what I'm experiencing in my life right now. So that's our definition of lack. What is your definition of lack? Because like I said, God, you're awesome, you're beautiful, you're amazing, and I trust you, and I'm so grateful for where I'm at right now. You know, not. <laughs> and I'm just trying to get my little three-pound brain to comprehend the blessing right now. You know what I'm saying? Because it's almost like where you, we were like, how you doing? And you're like, I'm blessed, highly favored. And in your mind, it's like, what are you talking about, bro? <laughs> so I'm sitting under a street lamp in a shady side of Tampa, <laughs> about to be evicted. And it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And I ask the Lord that. And the Lord says to my spirit, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He gave me a scripture. And I started crying because I knew that regardless of what my current situation was, between me and God, I was pure. That I was where I was because I chose to follow him and abandon any type of reason. And, and people say, is that okay? Yes, that's faith. Faith is saying there are some things I don't have to understand. I just have to trust. And so I began to cry, and I, I just thanked the Lord, truly actually grateful at that moment. Thank you, God, that I can sit here and know that between me and you, there is nothing that is off, that my heart is pure towards you, that you know who I am and I know who you are, and that settles the issue right there. Within a week from that day, my knee supernaturally was healed, where I woke up in the middle of the night totally pain-free, no problem. Never in my life have I had to have surgery on it. God instantly did a miracle for me, number one. Listen, secondly, a sweet old lady in the church called me and said, I heard that you needed a place to stay. I said, that's the Lord. Why don't you come live with me for the remainder of your third year in Bible college? And I hope you uh, can be home for dinner because I like to cook. And you're like, mm. I can be home for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, lady. And it was actually my grandmother. My grandmother lived in Tampa that I'd never even, uh, never had the opportunity to really connect with. So I got to go live with them. And I, I want you to hear this. Then my cell phone's still about to be turned off. My car insurance is backed up. My, my car, truck's going to be repoed. My dad calls me. Says, son, I was praying and the Lord said to give you $500. I got mad on the phone. And I said, that's not right, dad. I'm asking the Lord for a miracle. I don't need you to give me money. I need God to do it. Now, I... you know what my dad said? He didn't miss a beat. He was like, you idiot. Did you not hear that I said I was praying and the Lord told me to give it to you? He said, what pride is in your heart to where you tell the Lord what way he can get you out? And I'll never forget that moment. Church, you better hear that right now. Mm -mm, he just dropped a thunderbolt on you. Ah! Just send an offering plate right now. Somebody's got to give after that. No, 
see, the difficult thing is we think comfort is the only way God leads us. Discomfort teaches you some lessons along the way. Number one, you don't get to tell God who he is and what he can do and how he can do it and when he's going to do it. He's God. He didn't owe you anything. Amen. And thank the Lord for that. What, how bad would it be if we served a God that was indebted to man? So he's stealing from Peter or robbing from Peter to pay Paul, as they say. That's not what the God we serve. He has everything in his. And it wasn't that God can't supply. Are you with me? God could have made. God could have spoke to me to buy Bitcoin. Jesus, do a work in me so that if there's another opportunity in 10 years, I'm prepared right now for that opportunity. Can I get an amen? You know, Father, do whatever work you need to do because that sounds good to me. <laughs> But God takes you on a journey. And in the journey, it's all about learning to keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. Faith is looking to the unseen world and realizing that what we do in the unseen world is of greater value than anything we can produce in the seen world. As one preacher said, live your life for the dash between the year you were born and the year you pass away. That dash accounts for everything. Live your life for the dash so that that dash means something in eternity. There's a lot of things in this world that we think has value. We think money has value, but God can do supernatural things without money. Yeah, you believe that? Yeah. Who in here has ever had the Lord do miracles outside of the realm of finances? But you're like, he could have gave me money, but he chose to do it this way. Thank the Lord for that. One time the Lord said, Caleb, stop putting me in a box of finances. Every time you have a need, you ask me for money. I can supply the need without giving you the money because man made money and I'm bigger than what man makes. Are you with me? Hallelujah for that. Our God's a supernatural God. He can take a little boy's lunch and he can feed 15,000 people. He can touch you to where you're not even hungry and you can go 40 days off of one meal and run with the strength of a chariot. God is a supernatural God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who he is. That's what he does. But in the way, the flesh the mind, the everything of this world is always warring against the realm of the spirit because it doesn't understand it. Why would God ever take me on that journey? Why would he ever take something from me that was comfortable to me? Because the comfort that you got from that robbed you from the faith and the dependence upon God that you're going to need to go to the next place. Amen. God is a good God. But things that you interpret as good in your life are not always a good thing. And let me tell you something, whether you realize it or not, you are where you are today because you're constantly being influenced by voices in this world, by news media, by friendships, by schooling. And so you're the sum total of all the seeds that have been deposited into yourself. So where is the church right now? Where is that supernatural bride so full of power and so full of faith that the dead are rising every day in the streets of America? It seems to be void because the church has given way into reason more into the realm of the supernatural. And she clung to comfort instead of clinging to Christ. And so you get to this place where you got to go to the Lord and say, God, forgive me for leaning on the things that I could see and grasp and I could be the God of instead of leaning on the God that had a greater plan and a greater strategy the whole time. Lord, take whatever you want to take from my life. Just give me all that you have for my life because that's what I want to live for. Are you with me right now? See, we live our life looking for things that we perceive or have even heard from others. That that's what we're supposed to expect from life. But your life is unique. Your story is totally different. The things that you've gone through that sometimes you might have even considered to be a bad thing. If you really stopped and looked at it, at least you're sitting here right now and you know the Lord thy God. So was it really that bad? There's still people blinded that don't know the name of Jesus. There's still people that don't know the truth right now. Thank God you're not of that number. Why? Because you led, you are led by God to be here right now. And if you don't know Jesus, I believe it's supernatural timing that God brought you here today to hear this message, to realize God has a strategy and a plan for your life. All you got to do is learn how to follow after that thing. Seeds of greatness. You are basically dust. Did you know that? When you die, this body, no matter how much Botox you put in it, is going to dissolve and become nothing but dust. 
So this body does not have an eternal effect. The only thing that has an eternal effect is the spirit on the inside of this body and choosing to live by the spirit and do something that counts for eternity in this life. And people in the world would look at a person that is eternally minded and think that they have lost all reason and that they don't understand the wisdom of man. But it's not that. It's that we're living for something greater than the emptiness of this world. You know, if you study history, even the United States, countries have risen and countries have fallen. You say, well, how does that play out for a believer? It plays out for a believer that countries can rise and countries can fall because our God says, I raise kings up and I bring kings down. But my kingdom is forever. And you are a part of that kingdom. Amen? And so no matter what, choose to keep your eyes on the Lord. Realize that God is doing something in you. Say, in me. That's what I really want to get across this morning is the preciousness of realizing that God absolutely wants to work personally with you to produce something for this world. And when you live from that aspect, you live from a realm of such joy and peace that it doesn't matter what you have or don't have. It matters that you hear his voice, and that's what's leading you forward. Amen? Now, the Bible here talks about the word, or the seed is the word of God. How many people realize that everything in the Bible, every promise in the Bible, still applies today to every born-again believer? You with me? That if he can do it in the Old Testament, or if he did it in the New Testament, he can still do it today, and he still does do it today. God has never fallen asleep. He's never taken a break. He's never gone on sabbatical or on vacation. God is present. He is working. He is doing extraordinary things. Right now as we talk, dead people are being brought back to life. Right now as we talk, a blind eye that was born blind is seeing and shouting praises to the Lord. Right now as we talk, deaf ears are here. Right now as we talk, someone that didn't have food, God is miraculously supplying them. That's who you serve. He's never, ever, ever dormant or sleeping or not moving. God is a worker of miracles. That's the preciousness of serving the Lord. Now, how does that apply to your life? It applies to your life to say, realize we've been fed a lie from society of what to build your life upon. How many people remember in school? What did they do? They gave you this pyramid. Do you remember the pyramid of life in school that maybe you didn't get this? Social studies taught you. The pyramid was the first part of the pyramid is shelter, food, and water. The second part was beginning to get into the, to, to the, the rewards of life, and it just the pyramid kept going higher, and that's the satisfaction of life is when you're living at this pinnacle place where you've got food, water, shelter, job, all of these things, and you can buy the expensive luxury items of life. But the kingdom of God takes that and flips it upside down and says that the basis of your life is to leave everything in this world behind, and in that place is the beginning of a truly joyous life. When you have no dependence upon anything in this world and everything comes from God, then what are they going to do? As one great man said, the most powerful person in any room is the one that has no need. You don't have a need. Whether you realize it or don't, you don't have a need. There is not a need in this world that God is not fully prepared to supply that need in abundance to you. You say, Pastor Caleb, I'm looking at an impossible situation right now. Good. Rejoice, the Bible says in that. Count it all joy in that moment because that means you are being led towards a place of a miracle. And everybody in this room will shout at that miracle. But you're the one that gets to go through that place where it's impossible and see it turn around. That's the God that we serve. He's a miracle-working God. You say, it's stressful. The flesh is going to wig out, man. My gosh, I think about the greatest moments in my life where your flesh is literally like screaming at you. <laughs> and your spirit's like totally at ease. Like, this is going to be good. I mean, I don't have anything else to rely upon now. Basically, God, if you don't come through, I'm up the creek without a paddle. And what has happened? The Lord comes through. Not as you thought, not when you thought, not how you thought, but he comes through because he's faithful because he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Are you seeking the Lord today? What seeds have you been watering in your life? 
If you watered the wrong seed where you lived 30 years chasing down something that was empty at the end of it all. And if that's your story, rejoice right now because it's going to turn around and God will restore the years that the locust has eaten. That's the God that we serve. You say, I missed it for 10 years. Well, praise God because now you realize you missed it. And in realizing you missed it, you're going to go back to that thing God has for you. And God will supernaturally bless you in that moment. The blessing of God is to be sought after. The Bible says that we miss it when the enemy, the slanderer, comes in and he steals the word. What is that? That's the devil. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, constantly bringing accusation against you before the Lord. Oh, you don't understand. Chaplain Bob was a wild stallion in his teenage years. He says, amen. I just guessed on that one, but... And the enemy wants to throw that at you. Throw the past up. Throw the past mistakes. It's like you're running after God for 20 years and steal something you did 20 years ago, wants to rear its head. And you're like, seriously? Like, and it makes you feel like a loser. And it makes you feel like you did 20 years ago. And it makes you feel like you can't shake that thing off. But I have a newsflash for you. If all the devil can do is throw something that happened in the past in your face, your future is secure. You're living today and that guy is dead and gone. You can sling it all day long, but that guy's buried and he's in a ground somewhere and I'm not resurrecting that loser because I've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a brand new creation. I'm in a new family. I have a brand new name. That's all gone away with. And say, was it uncomfortable? Yes, death is uncomfortable. <laughs> and sometimes in life, it feels like you're going through the season of perpetual death. Things are dying all around me that I thought I needed. But in that, breaks way to the resurrection power of Christ Jesus to bring the brand new that you don't even yet know about and the, the half has never yet been told. The slanderer comes. Throw your past. Throw your family's past. Throw your greatest mistake at you. Thank God that God doesn't hold you to your worst moment. But he calls you to the greatest. And that's how he looks at you. That's how he calls you, and that's how he deals with you. God is always dealing at you as a precious child with an anointing and a call upon their life, and that's where he sees you and operates with you. At. So if it feels like it's really out here, it's because God is calling you to the place that you're actually supposed to be at. And you can't get there by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Stop listening to the devil. He's a liar. Everything he says is a lie. Everything he plans is a lie. Every strategy of hell comes to nothing. I don't care if it seems like it's going to happen. It will always fail because he is a failure. Come on, somebody who in here can testify to that. I tell you, the enemy can plan great things, but it ain't going to happen as long as you keep your eyes on the Lord. I love all those memes of the person. They remember, see that meme of the guy that's standing by the water and a guy comes up to kick him in, into the water and says, what happens when you're following the Lord and the devil tries to get you? It's like right in the moment the guy's going to kick, he just seems to step to the side and the guy falls in the water. It's like the blessing of God. It's like well, even when you don't know you need a miracle, God has already strategized the miracle ahead of time. Pastor Jeff was driving down the road the other day and didn't the Lord tell you to like basically pull over? And then like they started driving again after just a little bit and they came right up on a head-on collision that happened that they would have been at at that moment. Thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord you got that moment, that peace to just, oh, let's just worship the Lord on the side of the road for a bit. Thank God for that, amen? And then the Bible says we miss it. The seeds don't grow because they have no root in the truth and their faith is temporary. In other words, basically, I believe in Jesus as long as it's instant gratification. But the moment it costs me something or I go through something I don't want to go through, my faith is shaken and stolen from me, and now I can't comprehend it because the weak gospel that is preached is get ready because everything's going to be spectacular. <laughs> it is. Maybe I'm saying it too harsh right now, but that's just the truth. A bunch of... Lily-bellied Americans running around like, that's me mentality. <laughs> and it's like, where, what, what are you bringing to the Lord? That church didn't meet my needs. Well, what did you bring to the church? I brought need. Exactly. You brought need. 
And you sucked them dry and then went on down the road to the next place to suck dry. Boy, I'm saying it like it is, but let me tell you something. You live your whole life with that mentality and never realize that that's governing your life to where you stay a perpetual victim instead of rising above to something that is greater. Even if your story started out painful, stop living in the pain of the past and let the broken heart be mended. Let God put something new on the inside of you. Let the story become a real testimony. Testimonies after, it's not when you're going in the midst of it. The testimony is that thing is so far gone from my life. Look at the fruit that is now present as evidence that that thing has been done away with in my life. That's a testimony of power. Live your life for those moments. An altar of thanksgiving where you realize this seemed like the end or this seemed too hard to get through. And yet the Lord brought me through it. Let me tell you, I've sat with people. I sat with a woman. We did a television show, which you could watch tonight on Super Channel 55. I think it airs at like 8, 8, 8, 8. And the woman that we're doing the show with, her daughter was murdered. And the man that murdered her daughter, she adopted as her son. And they travel the world together doing ministry. Now, you hear that and you think, how? Because I, as a dad, if you, you murdered my daughter, I'll shoot first and repent later. And I'm just being honest. I mean, it would take the Lord to not let me, to, to stop me from doing something in that moment. I'm just going to see red and I'm going after you. And she, the Lord spoke to her, did a work in her heart, mended that relationship. His whole past was a story of hurt, abuse, pain. That's all he ever knew and that's all he ever acted out. And then comes the kingdom of God. And now he's a minister of the gospel, setting people free. Church, grab this right now. Man, I tell you, God is in the business of turning lives around. And it might not be the life that you envisioned it was going to be, but it's better than the life you envisioned it to be. And I can promise you that. Even if there's not as much money in the bank, the money was empty anyways. And it's Monopoly money. So you go play your Monopoly game, and I'll go play the game of life. (laughs) And life more abundantly. We Christians are people that if things are difficult, they give up on God. Oh, I'm Job. Oh. Yeah, we're, we're outside of a of Denny's. This guy comes up to us all, you know, drug, you know, obviously drug everything, and we're praying for him. We're prophesying over him, and he just keeps talking. I ain't Job. The Lord struck me with sickness. The Lord, I ain't. And you're like, bro, it's like a broken record. You're never going to get broke free. Because you live perpetually in that place of somebody owes me something. God owes me proof that he's alive. He didn't owe you that. You're the one that's blinded to see the reality of God moving around you. And until you get so less, get rid of your pride and humble yourself before the Lord, because the Bible says he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. A humble heart's a person that comes before the Lord and says, I have lived my life on my own and I don't like where I'm going. So I give you this life of as screwed up as it is and every part of it, I lay it at your feet and say, God, take it, please, and do something with this life for your glory, God. Whether I live long or I live short, whether I have wealth or I don't have wealth, let it go down that I live for the Lord thy God and that I knew him and he knew me. Let my life count for that. Jesus. You say, man... Some things, some things the Lord calls you to are uncomfortable, man. Sometimes you feel like you're so far out on a limb, it's just pointless, or out of the boat, it's pointless to even try and find the boat anymore. That thing's so far gone and there's waves all around you, you just have to basically cry out to Jesus. But it's in those places where the pure anointing of God begins to flow. Because it is no longer a story that you read in a book or a testimony that you shouted at at church. It is now a true life experience that you have acquired through going where nobody else was going to go. And finding God along the way and realizing, man, he is just as faithful as he's always said he would be. And when I felt like giving up, he strengthened me. He breathed fresh life into me. And I'm here today for the glory of God, not for the glory of myself. I couldn't do it, but God through me has done the miraculous. God is in the business of making all things brand new. 
Thank God for that, hey? What about the cares of this world? He says sometimes the seed's choked out. What God wants to do and the church is choked out because the church, which is you, gets so focused on the things of this world, on the creation, that you miss out on the reality of living a life free by the Spirit of God to do what heaven has called you to do. And I'll I'll tell you the truth. Ultimately, we live in a society that I feel is structured to keep you bound. American society is structured so that you will follow the path that leads to debt and no freedom. You have to do what you have to do every day of your life to pay the bills and keep moving this whole trudge forward. And somewhere along the way, in the year of 2023, you want to go on a missions trip to serve the Lord for one week. And maybe... That's harsh, but I'm just telling you, you can live your whole life thinking tomorrow I'm going to go after the Lord, but today I have to take care of this. Today I have to do this. Today I need that. Today I need to acquire that. When we were going into the ministry, I was working as a medical IT recruiter, which is the most unexciting job you will ever have. (laughs) You want to talk about boring? Try and be a medical IT recruiter. It is the boringest thing you will ever do. It's like, oh, yeah, you're, you, anyways, whatever. It's like purgatory. <laughs> Every day I felt so empty. It didn't matter if I got a paycheck or not. I felt empty. Like, what is the point of life? <laughs> oh, I just want to call you. I'd like to represent you, whatever. And the biggest hindrance to going in the ministry was that I did not want for the ministry to ever have to take an offering. I said to the Lord, you're a blesser. Like increase me in business and then I'll serve you. Because I don't want to be out there like I interpret everybody else out there trying to raise support to do what they're supposed to do. I just want you to provide and I'm going to serve you. And you know what the Lord said, which is, I feel is, was a good, he said, Caleb, do you believe in giving? And I said, God, you know I believe in giving. I'm always giving. I give sacrificially. I've given to the point that it hurts, you know. And the Lord's like, why do you do that? I said, because I believe in your kingdom and because I believe in furthering that kingdom with everything that I can right now. And God says, well, if you don't go in the ministry and allow people to give, you're going to rob from them the same belief that you have. I said, all right, God, so what are you saying? He's saying, stop being prideful and just go. And I launched. I had nothing. I had no strategy. I didn't. I've started a Facebook page because that's what you're supposed to do when you go in the ministry. You send out all the like invites. Caleb Ring has invited you to like Revival Fire International. And then it's a picture of me, and it's like, we're, we're a ministry stirring up the nations. No, you're not. You've not done anything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we believe in a generation being set free, but we haven't preached a message yet, but one day we will. <laughs> and how did I get there? Such a great question. Because here I am in Bible school. I walked away from the one job. I get to Bible school now. I walk away from when Charlie and I worked at the cabinet shop, go through hell, finish that. And then I finally graduate Bible school and the Lord says, go get a business degree. So I go get a business degree. Why, God? I don't want a business degree. I want to serve you is really what I said. And the Lord was like, no, I need you to do this. So I went, I actually tried to quit in the midst of college. And a man of God called me and said, you're thinking about quitting. I was like, yeah, I want to serve the Lord. I want, to go, I want to go follow the Lord. And he said, no, the Lord called you to do this. You're going to complete this thing, and you're not going to quit. Promise me you won't quit. And I said, all right, I won't quit. And that was something I had to lean on. For a year and a half, I wanted to quit, and I finished it. And so now I complete this next task, and I'm, I want to encourage you with this. There are many people that stall out in life because God does give you something to do. But it was tougher or longer than you thought it needed to be, and so you quit. Stop quitting on the Lord. Just stay in it. And when you get empty, God will refresh you. And that's the lesson that he called you to learn in that. Say, I can't do it on my own. Exactly. Newsflash. Bing, bing, bing. Finally, we have Captain Obvious here. You couldn't do it on your own. That was the whole purpose. That's why he said do it, so that you would fail. Because in your failure, then you lean on the Lord and say, I couldn't do it. And God says, thank you. All right. Now let me put my spirit back on the inside of you. Let me encourage you. Let me build you up. Let me breathe life on the inside of you. If God can take a little David in a field and anoint him to make him slay thousands, what can he do with you? 
but you're still trying to do it on your own intelligence, your own knowledge, your own physical strength, and then God's limited by your flesh. I'm just saying, people, some of what God does is to break off your dependence on your flesh to where you really truly learn how to, as the Bible says, those that walk by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. It's a realm that you get to where you stop listening to your flesh because your flesh has never, ever, ever led you correctly. Except for that one time you went to Jeremiah's Ice in Orlando and you're like, this was definitely the Lord. Okay, we will give you that one, that one moment or that time when you're like, I feel like a Wagyu ribeye. That was the Lord too. The flesh led you right then at that moment. But other than that, your flesh is always leading you astray. You say it, it's tough, but when you go through it, you realize, thank God I went through something. Thank the Lord that I know the depths of his love for me greater than other people do. I don't have a shallow relationship with God. I have a deep relationship with God, and I want to get it deeper. And to say that, you begin to get the wisdom to realize when you say, God, lead me, you're actually realizing, God, what do you want to take? What do I need to give up? I'm ready. I'm going to do this thing because you're my everything, my all in all, and you're the only one that I want to bring glory to in my life. Am I talking to anybody here right now? And I believe this matters because ultimately, I'm such a firm believer that there's coming a glorious move of the Spirit of God. Like I feel it in my bones that God intends to use America in a very supernatural and spectacular way. I feel it so deeply. I pray fervently. I cry over this nation. I look at people, and I always look at people. And when, as a pastor, it's like the Lord, I look at people and see them at a great place. And I see, like, the best in them. And it's like from that place is how I look at them. And I'm like, they're called to do great things. They're called to do mighty things. And whether they've seen it or haven't seen it, I don't need evidential proof to know that that's what God has already placed on the inside of you. And it's like you got to call those things out into people and realize, man, sometimes to see the impossible, you're going to have to go through the difficult, constraining ways of life that other people dropped off along the way. When I went to Bible college, I started with 200 people. When I graduated, there was 12 of us that made it. 12 people stayed the course for three years, only 12 of us. And that's, they had the same teachers, the same messages, the same church, the same hands laid upon them. Everything that I had, they had, and probably even more, but they fell out because the cares of this world began to choke out the riches of the kingdom of heaven. Stay the course, church. Keep your eyes on the prize. His name is Jesus. And no matter what, God has got something up his sleeve for this generation and for this hour. And you're a part of that. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. You are a part of it. This church is a part of it. Come on. We're not small in our vision. We're we're big in our vision because we serve a mighty God. Amen. And we believe that what we stand for matters right now. We believe it is a time to stand. Come on. When everybody else wants to sit, stand up tall and proud because it makes you a target, which means the enemy's either going to take you out and you're going to get to heaven quicker than you would have got. Or you're going to discover that the enemy can huff, puff, and breathe, but he can't do nothing to you. Come on, somebody. What have you yet tapped into in your life? In life, it's so easy to go through without challenging the status quo or without challenging what society or people around you have led you to believe your entire life. I'm actually very careful as a a parent that I try and not lead or or force my children into something because I would like all my children to be in ministry, you know, because, I mean, your dad's a pastor. What's wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? But I'm very intentional to try not to lead them in that because I realize God has a call on their life. And for me to interpret that call, is, that's not my job. My job is to, to look into them and find the seeds that reveal themselves of great strengths and great talents. 
and water those things so that whatever God leads them to, I've done my best as a parent with the wisdom of God on the inside to water what God has placed there so that it matures into great fashion. And everybody in here, whether you realize it or not, I might have been the, the next Elvis Presley. I might have been the greatest singer ever. But when I started singing as a kid, everybody told me what a horrible singer I was, and so I stopped trying to sing. My dad, he could do all of these things, but I can't sing. So I let what people say dictate who I was going to be. Are you with me right now? And then you wind up becoming the fruit of what everybody else wants you to be instead of what he wants you to be. And that's why God takes you on the journeys he takes you on, and that's why faith matters, and that's why Stop being negative just because you're not yet where you think you want to be. Enjoy where you're at right now because it's a blessing to be here because the further you go with God, the more you're going to have to mature to carry what heaven has given you to carry at that time. Amen. Years ago, I was playing golf in Houston. We were preaching at a beautiful church there that I've mentioned a few times, the Power of Love Church. And my friend says, I want you to meet this guy that he's a millionaire. And so... His mind is probably thinking this guy's going to support our traveling ministry. I'm just looking at it. I'm going to go play golf, which I quit playing golf because come to find out the Lord has not called me to play golf, <laughs> that it actually stole my joy more than it gave me joy. <laughs> Why is it so hard to make that stupid little ball go forward? Go, just go forward. Why are you going to, why, why do we, what is this? We're not aiming at the trees, bro. Get your little hind end down the road. Anyways, we won't talk about golf, the plague of hell. <laughs> Play golf, they said. It'll be fun. Yeah, right. So I'm playing golf. And this guy, he's a multimillionaire. And come to find out, he is the number one heart surgeon in, he said, in, in America. So he's an absolute sought-after heart surgeon. So naturally, you think, well, you're worth a lot of money because you're, you're like the heart surgeon of America. And he tells me, no, actual fact, all the doctors, all the surgeons we work with, the top surgeons, they're all in debt up to their eyeballs. They're broke. He says they can't retire until they're 80 years old. He said they owe so much money from, from medical school and everything in their lives, and then just living above their means, their insurance costs alone is, is crazy. So he said, honestly... It's not, from, it's not from medical stuff that I've got any wealth. And I said, so what's the key? He said, the key is that my parents told me, you're going to be a heart surgeon, you're going to do this. They, 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 they built it into me as a young kid. But when I got into high school and into college, I went to pre-med, and then I decided, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I really want to do this. He said, I just rebelled and went and lived in Europe for two years with a backpack and no money, Barely surviving, kicking around, exploring the world, and then came back and started school again when I knew that I wanted to do it. And he said, just that two-year period made me think differently than everybody else in medical school. Now, I'm saying that to say this, that whether you realize it or not, it's like you, you always have to check yourself with God. What is the voice that's driving me forward right now? Am I being programmed by society or by someone else's wishes, or am I actually following what God wants me to do? Because original things from heaven come from heaven. And so you've got to get to a place where you're not doing what everybody's always told you to do to where you can hear God tell you what you need to be doing. And just in that switch as a believer, that's where supernatural things transpire and God deposits a seed on the inside of you that you will be the first person to step out and begin to do those things in this world. Take Oral Roberts, mighty man of God, dying in a, on a deathbed when he was young, Went to a crusade. God supernaturally healed him. The Lord spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you to bring my healing power to the nations of the world. Watch this. First man that he feels, I'm going to bring the gospel with a television camera to the nations of the world via TV. One man had a unique idea from God as he thought outside the box. And he started the Oral Roberts show where Johnny Cash and all these great celebrities came on the show, gave glory to God, and it literally went viral to where it actually started all of the, the late night shows. That came from Oral Roberts. So Johnny Carson, all these guys that are doing Jimmy Kimmel that have, that's totally gone wicked now. Are you with me? These guys are total heathens. It started from a vision from Oral Roberts to bring the gospel 
to the nations of the world through interviewing people about their testimony, and it went absolutely viral. He was on ABC, Fox, everywhere. Why? Because he simply got something from God that nobody else was yet doing. Think about that. What does God want to bring into the nations of the world right now? The innovators of this world should not be the heathens. It should be the church of Jesus Christ. It should be people that get something from God that this world is not prepared for that changes the course of history and then stand for something for God. Live your life for that place. Whatever you're doing in your life right now, I encourage you as a pastor, go before the Lord always. Say, God, here's my life. What in my life do you want me to keep doing? Is there anything you want me to walk away from? I trust you, God. I lean myself upon you. And I know that what you have placed me on this earth to do matters. And I want to bring that to this generation. Amen? Amen. So the Bible says, Luke 17, 20 through 21, and I'm closing now. It says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of heaven is within you. The seeds of the kingdom of God are on the inside of each and every born-again believer. Amen? And so it's not through. It's not go over here for God to move, go over there for God to move. It's as a born-again believer, water the seeds that God has placed on the inside of you so that you be who God has called you to be. And if we all do that in the kingdom of God, This nation will be shaken by the power of God. And beyond that, the world will see things that the world has never seen before. And I believe that is still yet to come. Somebody says, when do you think we'll wrap this thing up? I think we're in the last days. I mean, I think we're in the last hour. I think we're in the last minutes, you know. But I don't think that it's over yet. And I think, according to what I've studied, I believe that the church is still here on the earth today for one last move of God that will shake the nations of the world. But one thing I've learned to do as a born-again believer and as a minister is to say, you know what, God? I can only look to the past to see what you have done to encourage myself of the supernatural things that you do, but I can't look there to say that that is exactly what you will do now. I know that you will do new things. And so I lean myself on you, Holy Spirit, and say, just keep leading us. Come on, lead this church. Will you join with me as we pray for the church, that we be led by the Spirit of God, that we do what heaven has called the river to do, no more, no less, just what God wants us to do, that whatever message he once brought, we would bring to this this community and beyond, that whatever heaven has strategized for Lake County, that we would be a part of that plan and that strategy, that we would see God be glorified across this county and beyond. Amen? But it begins in you. So I want to close with this. Maybe you're here and you've been through some tough things in life. Maybe you're in a tough season right now. A season that many people probably would not have had the strength to go through. And yet you're still going. And I want you to look at the goodness of God through this and realize you're here right now because of the goodness of heaven. And though you've been going through an uncomfortable situation, maybe you're like that pear tree in my backyard growing up. You're going through an uncomfortable situation so that God can bear forth more fruit than you ever dreamed you could bear forth in your life. And I believe that that's what's happening in your life. I want to encourage you, if you're at life and you feel like, man, I've missed God. The Lord has told me something many years ago and and the the cares of this world came between me and that, that plan. Maybe as a young kid, you had dreams of doing something and it's like you went the other route by what everybody else said and your whole life you felt empty. Don't stay at that place. By all means, live a life of an adventure and go after God and say, you know what, I'll walk away from everything just to follow after him. Smith Wigglesworth was a man that many people in this generation talk about the greatness of his ministry. He started at the year of 56 years old and ran for 30 years in the ministry and did extraordinary feats of faith. Brought the dead back to life through the word of faith, preached a powerful message. His wife was always the one that served the Lord growing up, and and Smith would always go to church with her, but he was an alcoholic and a plumber and just really a a reprobate guy that would go to church with his wife. One day, after many years of preaching and preaching and praying and prophesying and seeking counseling, he was out drinking one night, and she said, that's it, and she locked the front door. Said, I'm just done with this loser husband. (laughs) 
And when she went to bed, she thought to herself, in the morning, he's either going to be there screaming at me or he's going to be gone. She opened the door the next day and there Smith Wigglesworth was on the front porch beaming full of light that night. And he ran and hugged his wife and what had happened was he came home drunk. He laid on the front step and, the, and Jesus himself showed up in front of him, laid his hands upon him, sobered him up and began to speak over him the things that he would do. And it's like all the seeds that his wife had placed on the inside of him came to fruition in that moment. And we can look at it and say it's a suddenly moment, but I want to encourage you, it's not just a suddenly moment. It was a faithfulness of a woman for many years to speak over her husband when everybody else was not seeing what she saw. And she, she got to sit there for 30 years and see her husband do things that nobody had been doing in that generation. And they said she would sit on the front row and say, that's not my smithy, that's not my smithy. In all of what God had done because she had lived with this man for so long to where everybody else gave up and even she gave up but God, say but God. You say, man, I've been going through a tough time. Praise God, it's breaking way. This nation's been going through a tough time. And let me tell you something. If God doesn't intervene, America is gone. But that shouldn't fill us with fear or doubt. It should fear us with hope, fill us with hope, saying, I know that God has a plan for this nation. He is not finished yet. He is not finished yet. And God is about to breathe across the nations of the world in such a way that it will shock the hearts of the wicked. It'll shock the hearts of the religious. It'll shock the nations because God is on the move and you are a part of that move. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.